Hello and welcome to the Daily Claims Podcast, where we talk about life as an insurance adjuster from the perspective of property, auto, liability, and workers' compensation adjusters. My goal is to bring interesting topics in the world of claims adjusting to people who are working as an adjuster now and to people who are considering a career as a claims adjuster. Hey guys, so you know it's been a long time since I've done a podcast and I got a couple calls from folks that uh, wanted to be on as guests and I love having guests and I need to do more of that. And if you're out there listening and you would like to participate as a guest, please let me know. Uh, I would love to talk to you. All you got to do is uh, hit me up with an email. It's wauten at auten.claims. And I would love to talk to industry experts. I would love to talk to claims managers and claims directors to talk about how you manage your people. I would also love to talk to folks who are aspiring adjusters or who have just started out in the field and have a bunch of questions because you have to understand there's going to be a lot of other people in the business with the same questions. So if we can answer yours, chances are we can help some people out. So I would love to have you on. Hit me up with an email. Don't be bashful. Just say, hey, Bill, I'd love to ask you some questions on your podcast and we'll go from there. Today, we're going to talk about a recent blog post I put up on our website, and I also did a little TikTok video about it. It's called Gen Z Attracting the Next Generation to the Insurance Industry. Now, it's interesting to me. I have a couple of Gen Z people in, in our immediate family. That would be my, my daughter Riley and my stepson Nick. And they are, you know, definitely Gen Z. And there are definitely differences between Gen Z and millennials, which I am not, and Gen Z and Gen X, which I am. And baby boomers, you know, are different than all of them for various reasons. Now, we don't have to go into the details of how boomers and Gen X and millennials are all different. For this discussion, let's pretend we're all on the same team, okay? We're dealing with this new crowd of candidates for jobs that have been born in a time when technology included smartphones. It included high-speed internet. It included TikTok and Snapchat and Instagram and just about everything else that's out there. And these kids have been exposed to it. And not only have they been exposed to all of these technological things, but they've also been exposed to some crazy societal issues that that we didn't really have when I was growing up as much. I mean, I guess we did have some, we certainly had racial issues and we had wars and things like that. But I think the, the societal things today are a stark contrast to what they were 40 years ago, 50, 60 years ago, or even 20 or 30 years ago, to be honest. And that's why I'm including millennials with us Gen Xers for this discussion. So a lot of people believe that Gen Z, as professionals, hold the most potential for our future given their technical expertise and fresh perspectives on technology and societal issues. And that's a line right from the blog post. It's true. They have been immersed in this digital society since birth. We call them digital natives. So they, they are natively immersed in this, this technology to the extent that it is as available and as common to them as running water and indoor plumbing and indoor electricity was to us growing up. I'm going to pause for a second so you can take a moment to consider that. This technology is taken for granted. Have you ever taken a cell phone away from a kid? They lose their minds. And let's face it, so do we. You know, so do we adults. 
But the point is that they have a different perspective because they don't know what it was like to have to have rabbit ears on the television and three television stations. They don't know AM radio. In fact, a lot of Gen Zs may have never been in a car that has a tape deck or a CD player. Most of the Gen Z people I come in contact with don't know how to write cursive. They don't teach it. And why would you need to? I mean, we're all at keyboards all day long and we're typing on our cell phones or we're dictating into the cell phone to get the text written for us. Handwriting is really, really old school, which is a shame because I really enjoy the... Anyway, this isn't about me. When we look at the demographics of management people in the insurance workplace, chances are there's still some boomers kicking around. I think most of you folks have retired, but to a larger extent, it's Gen X and millennials that are taking over management in the insurance industry right now. And as the Gen Xers retire, and as millennials seep out of the industry due to attrition of you know whatever type, we have to backfill those positions. And the pool of resources is getting smaller unless we're able to tap the Gen Z. So this blog post and this podcast is a way to kickstart the discussion about how we get these folks interested in the insurance business. So one of the first steps we can take to do that is to make sure we understand Gen Z needs and expectations. And in the blog post, I talk a little bit about the old school hiring practices that both Gen X and millennials are familiar with. There are different things that motivate Gen Z candidates. They will have different expectations about what type of job will fulfill them. Now, a lot of people will describe Gen Z as fiercely independent. And that's true. They have been raised in an environment where when they need to find something out, they can Google it. They can watch a YouTube video. They can figure out how to change a tire or change the oil or bake a cake on YouTube or on TikTok or on all these other platforms where creators are constantly putting out educational stuff. And I think it's great that people do that. I do that. I think it's wonderful. The trick, however, is to understand that they have been brought up in this environment and it has made them feel as if they don't need help from other people. That if they are struggling with something, all they have to do is pull up their cell phone and do a search and find the answers to the questions they need. And that has instilled in them this really independent spirit, I believe. Now, if you were to take the phone away and stick that person in a cabin in the woods, things might be a little different if they can't Google how to make a rabbit stew or plant a garden. So we as Gen Xers and maybe even the millennials might see them as a little more fragile and dependent than they think they are because of that. However, we also have to recognize that that's how they're wired. They're wired to, to be able to go out and find answers to the things they want to find. And if you ignore that, chances are you're going to miss the mark when you're trying to hire these people. Another thing that's very important to them is the work-life balance. Along with all of the educational stuff that comes on social media, so does this display of people, quote, living the good life and and how valuable it is to live the good life. And we are very, very fortunate in today's society because it is possible to live a better life today than possibly any other time in the history of mankind. It doesn't mean that things are perfect today. People are capable of some pretty horrible things today, too. 
And that's something else that is on the Gen Z mind. But when it comes to work-life balance, it's important to them to make sure that they are enjoying life to its fullest. So how does this translate to your job offering? Well, you had better make sure you talk about the time that they get to themselves, the time that they have off, the fun things that you can do at your workplace. Look at the Google headquarters, for example. That type of environment in the Gen Z mind is not unusual, but should be the standard among employers. And stodgy insurance companies run by baby boomers and Gen Xers are not likely to have ice cream machines in the lobby and beanbag chairs in the break room. However, we have to think about this a little harder as insurance carriers. This goes to agents and adjusting firms and any other business that services insurance companies. Actually, this doesn't apply just to insurance companies at all or their vendors. It applies, I think, across the board to every industry that if you're not catering to this generation, you're not going to be able to find people who want to work there. So you have to foster the feeling that they'll have a work-life balance at your organization, but you're also going to have to tap into that feeling of independence that they are looking for. And I don't have an answer for you on that one, but I, I do believe that whatever you do, you got to tap into that independence. So let's move on now to how you build long-term connections between Gen Z and the colleges and universities that they are attending and coming out of. It used to be insurance companies would send a representative to a job fair at a college, and, and they probably still do these things. I don't really know. The job fair would have a booth, and there'd be brochures and applications and, you know, some nice videos playing about how great the school is and all the great things you can learn there and how great their sports teams are and the culture and all that. That's that's great. That's probably something they still should do. However, most of these classes, I wouldn't say, I don't know if it's most, but boy, a lot of these classes now are online. If you're a business like an insurance company that can identify the specific coursework that would align with your business and your job offerings, I think what carriers should do if they're not doing this already is to talk to the faculty at these colleges and universities and offer to provide both content and people who can participate and help in the learning process. Now, I don't know how amenable these universities will be to this, but if you really want to ring a bell with these Gen Z candidates, you want to be in their face early on and you want to be there in the digital environment that they're exposed to every day at school. So I think that if insurance companies can interact with colleges and universities to explain to them the value of insurance in today's society, which is another topic we're going to talk about here, and make them understand that there are really good opportunities for their students, once they get out, I think it could be a win-win. These people that the insurance companies can insert into the curriculum in some way, they don't have to only be in the digital sense either. I do believe college campuses still have people walking around and people interacting with each other and events involving people. And I think COVID was a horrible thing that happened to not only the economy and businesses, but also to schools where they have defaulted in many cases, to the online learning model. And I think a lot of kids today, uh, from the Gen Z standpoint, prefer to not have to interact physically face-to-face -face with people anymore. And I think that's something that I, society should try and solve. I don't know that 
they will. I don't know. I think it's like a bell you can't unring at this point. But that's my thought. Maybe that's a real Gen X thing to say, though. I don't know. So the other heading I have on the, the blog post is something I stumbled upon while I was writing this that kind of surprised me. But it's true. I called it broadening the talent pool. And what I mean by that is if insurance companies are focusing only on people who have four-year degrees, they're going to be limiting their prospect. And, you know, there are there are some roles within the insurance business that absolutely do require a specific kind of degree and, and training and background to really get the job done right. You want a certain level of intellect and you want a well-rounded person, maybe that a liberal arts degree would offer. I work in the world of insurance claims and I have met some really, really smart people that work in this business that do not have a college degree. And I will say to my grave that you don't need a degree to do this job. It doesn't take anything away from the job. I don't think it's any less important of a job than any other role within the insurance company. But there are no college courses that teach how to handle claims. So if you require a college degree to become a claims adjuster at your insurance company, you're requiring a person who has been through education that they're likely not going to use much in the role of a claims adjuster. And furthermore, you're going to have to subject that person to many, many hours of specialized training anyway to get them licensed, to get them educated on policies, to get them educated on the law. And by the way, there are very few claims jobs that require a background or education in law. Some of them do. Some higher end liability uh, litigation management jobs will require that, but property adjuster won't. A desk adjuster for auto liability won't. So my point is most carriers have a hard written rule that to work in their claims department as an adjuster, you need a four-year degree. And I think that mindset needs to change. And here's another reason why. I said earlier, Gen Z is a fiercely independent group who is very confident that they can learn anything they need to learn online by themselves. If there's a coverage question, chances are that Gen Z is going to be able to Google search better than you or I could. And don't get me started on AI because that's going to change the game even more. So I don't think we need somebody with a business degree or a sociology degree or a degree of any kind, really, to be a claims adjuster. I think if you were to change the rule on degrees for adjusters, I think the biggest hurdle you may come across is written communication skills. Because I do think that part of the job of being an adjuster is being able to communicate in writing and in verbal communications in a professional and concise manner. And I do think a two-year degree or a four-year degree does help round somebody out in that regard. But I know some really articulate people who don't have a college degree. So the point of this is if, if you loosen that restriction or requirement, you all of a sudden have opened up a wider range of possible candidates. And, you know, if you're struggling to find people to work, I think that should be one of the things that you drop off your requirements list right off the bat. One of the other things I think it's important to do for Gen Z is, and I'll read the the caption right from the blog post here, highlighting the impact and purpose of the insurance 
industry to Gen Z. And I'm going to read the first line here. I told you I wasn't going to read this thing, but I'm going to read the first line. I have often emphasized insurance as a noble profession that brings societal value. What do I mean by that? Insurance is a noble profession. I mean, that sounds like a really corny thing. It's a very Gen X thing to say, right? But what it means is that, uh, what it means to me anyway, is that insurance plays a very, very important role in society. And there has been no greater demonstration of that than COVID-19. I will explain. Most of the claims related, most of the insurance claims related to COVID-19 were business interruption claim. For the most part, those were not covered. We won't get into the exclusion specifically, but most of those claims were not covered. Lawsuits came about Insurance companies won those lawsuits because of the language in the policy. That's one of those things that insurance is not designed to cover. There are some uninsurable things, like war, for example. But there are a lot of things that are covered. And there are a lot of things that hit a large area that are covered, like a hurricane or a tornado. And when those things hit and people's lives get turned upside down, it's insurance that steps in and gets money injected back into that economy where the tragedy hit and helps those people. And yet we all hear stories about somebody didn't get paid for gutters or the insurance company tried to screw somebody on it, whatever, whatever. But look at the amounts that are paid out in claims every year. And I don't have the figures. It's it's a lot. The point is that without insurance, those losses would have a deep and profound effect on the economy that would devastate the country and the economy over many years. So, and that, that's like a big societal thing. On a smaller scale, let's look at a single mother who lives in an apartment with three kids and that apartment burns in a fire. And that fire was caused by a contractor that made a mistake. And that contractor has liability insurance. And that mother can be compensated through the liability insurance and get some money for the things they lost and can help get her back into a home. And, you know, I work in this business and I understand that it's not like a magic pill. It's not like the fire happens, they lose their stuff. And the next morning there's a big bucket of money sitting at their feet. There's a process and it takes time and it's frustrating. But the point is that those situations typically will result in someone being made whole. That's what insurance, especially liability insurance, is designed to do. On a first-party basis, you take that same mother with the same group of kids in an apartment and she has her own coverage, you know, which I highly recommend, by the way. If you're an apartment dweller and you don't have renter's insurance, go get it. It's cheap and it's you need it. And in a case like that, the insurance could step in and put them in a hotel until the place was rebuilt or they found a new place to live. It would pay for the damage to their stuff. So the point of that is on a big scale, insurance is really, really important to society. On a small scale, it can help someone in need. There are other benefits too. We could go on and on about, but we need to be able to communicate those to Gen Z. And it's difficult, I know, because you've got commercials with, you know, insurance companies bragging about how fast they pay claims and everything on one hand. And then you've, you've got claimants attorneys who are advertising constantly and they are constantly telling about how bad insurance companies are and how they're just trying to screw everybody. So it's a difficult position for insurance companies to be in to try and convince these young potential candidates to come on over 
and work for this company that does these, what I think are great things. They write checks to people who need it in bad times when they're faced with angry attorneys on television all day long, you know, complaining about insurance companies. So I get it. It's not easy. But we need to find a way as, a, as an industry to make that a little clearer. Final caption in my blog post is that insurance companies need to embrace technological advancements. The bigger carriers are already doing this. I know the bigger carriers are already employing artificial intelligence. Big data has been around for many, many, many years in the insurance industry. The big carriers have really great apps for purchasing insurance and monitoring your policy and paying your policy and even making a claim. And of those top 20 carriers that are doing a great job, underneath there, there's hundreds and hundreds of other smaller carriers that are still way behind the time. And of course, they don't have the budgets that the big carriers do. But as technology changes, things become less expensive. And we have to be careful that we are not avoiding the use of some of these new technologies because they're new and scary and we're in a different generation than Gen Z. We have to be open-minded because they're going to bring ideas to the table that we've never thought of and, and probably don't have the capacity to invent ourselves because we were not born as digital natives like Gen Z. So that's all I have to say about Gen Z in the insurance industry. I think that if you are in a position to hire people in the insurance business, whether it's claims or underwriting or whatever, even on the agency side, make sure you understand the demographic that you're speaking to when you make your job posting and that you're speaking to things like their needs and expectations about independence and work-life balance and that you're getting to them early when they're still in college before they graduate and that you're not limiting your talent pool by only requiring college degrees. And I, I think this is not the last one, but I think this is the most important one that you communicate to these candidates, the societal importance of insurance. I've always thought about it that way, but I think it's more important to communicate that now to them than ever because of the way they think about the world and the, the way they think about other people in the world. I think Gen Z wants to do good for other people. Finally, don't be afraid of tech. They're going to bring tech to you that you never imagined, and it's, and it's going to be something in some cases you're not going to be able to understand, but embrace it. So like I said, my TikTok video, go out there. Get your job postings up and go get them. Thanks for joining us again on the Daily Claims Podcast, where we talk about life as an insurance adjuster. Hit that subscribe button real quick and tell all of your adjuster friends to check this out as well. Join Chantal Roberts and Bill Auten on the Clubhouse app every other Tuesday, where we head up the art of adjusting and discuss all kinds of exciting insurance topics. For independent adjusting services, go to www.auten.claims. And for anyone interested in working as an independent liability adjuster, go to www.auten.claims FQS and scroll down to the skills assessment button to fill out your information and we'll get back to you right away.